So whilst I was away, Sony announced uh, their bundle options for the upcoming Spider-Man game. I mentioned many times on the show that I was going to buy the bundle, right? Whatever the bundle was going to be. And they made the exact kind of bundle that I was expecting, I think. It is a red uh, PS4 and PS4 Pro with a white Spider-Man logo on and a matching uh, DualShock controller. Um, Lots of remastered listeners sent this to me, which I enjoyed. Uh, And the funny thing (laughs) is, by the time most people have sent it to me, I had already found it and ordered it. Um, So... (laughs) I have ordered uh, the the whole bundle. Uh, I think it's a cool design. Um, I don't, this isn't a design that I would necessarily display. It's it's very garish, you know. Um, but I, you know, I wanted a PS4 Pro to play the game, and this felt like a fun version of the console. It's going to be in the living room in our entertainment center, but like we have doors on the entertainment center, so it would have always been covered up anyway. Um, this will actually probably put the final end to my console gaming setup in my office. So when I got the PC, I removed the sofa that I had in front of the gaming system. You know, like so I have like my PlayStation, I have my PS4 Pro, and I have a just a HDTV and a bunch of other like ancillary consoles. Like I have a Wii U in there as well, just because it was in there from before I got the Switch. Um, Apple TV? No, see the Apple TV no? is in the living room. Right, right. Right, so this, these other systems are all in my office. And uh, the Switch we put in the living room because we liked to play games together on it, me and Adina, so that was perfect for that. And uh, I want to get, obviously, the PS4 Pro is going to be hooked up to our 4K HDI TV, which is also in the living room. So I think that I'm probably going to gonna get rid of the gaming stuff that's in the office now because I have the gaming PC in the office, and that does its job, and... I can. I have an extra Switch dock which is attached to the PC because I can play it on the PC. You know, with the with the screen, I can play it through the HD capture stuff. Yeah, um, is it an uh, official one out of interest? The dock. Yeah. 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 I have a second official Switch dock. You didn't, you didn't want to risk third party stuff, no. Mm, I'm a little hesitant of it for the time being. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of of activity in the third party dock space, but I want to wait for them to kind of like. I don't know to prove that they still work okay with the systems in a bit. And, and when I was yeah. when I bought that dock because I bought it ages ago, that second one, the only dock available is Nintendo's anyway. Ah, uh, so, okay. So I went with that, and uh, so that's if I ever want to stream games from the Switch, I can do it. But that means it's super easy for me to play on the PC if I really want to. But I pretty much would always want to play on the television. Um, mm. So yeah, I've ordered this bundle. Um, speaking of Spider Man itself, the game. There's a lot more videos popping up online now that show footage of the game, like previews and stuff. Um, I'm avoiding them all for now. Like, just yeah. the very little that I've seen makes me think this is going to be a game of the year contender for me, like a serious game of the year contender. So I want to stay mostly unspoiled for now, I think. And then uh, when it comes yeah, out I, in September, I'll... Uh... I, I do pretty much the same, I think. I, I can't... I, I don't like it nowadays because... See, they've got to capture your attention. Yep. Which means they've got to give away the crown jewels. Yep. And then where's the fun in that? Exactly. So, and and I also figure so much of what's going to be good about this game is going to come in the way that the game feels anyway. Um, mm. So I think, you know, I'm just going to kind of wait. I'm just going to wait and see. And uh, I know I'm going to enjoy it, so I may as well just hold on and get it then. Do you do that with most games or just the ones you're really anticipating? 
tends to be the ones I'm anticipating. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'll, I'll watch a trailer of a game that I'm not that familiar with to make sure it's something that I want to go for. But if there's a game that I believe I'm going to really enjoy these days, I'll try and avoid uh, trailers for it. And same for movies, mm-hmm. really. You know, like after I see like an initial teaser trailer, um, I'll <laughs> avoid trailers. Yeah, yeah. If it's something I know I'm going to see, like if I know I'm going to see it, then there isn't really much benefit for me personally in seeing the trailer. Because I'm going either way. You know, it's the same with Spider-Man. I'm buying the Spider-Man game no matter what, right? I'm going to buy it if it gets reviewed as a 6 or a 5 yeah. everywhere, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to buy this game because I like these games. I've always liked Spider-Man games. I love Spider-Man. So, you know, this is something I'm getting. However, I may have got, I don't know, I maybe went too soon on pre-ordering my, this PlayStation did you see this news today? The five hundred million, million PlayStation. Yep. Yep. So it is a a new PlayStation to commemorate the five hundred millionth PlayStation unit being sold. Now there wasn't an, a, a rush on PS4. This is like all PlayStations of all time. So Sony have sold five hundred and twenty-five million PlayStation systems across the life of the PlayStation. So they have released images of a uh, 50,000 unit special edition worldwide which is blue with gold like gold rose gold accents but the blue is transparent it looks really good and then it's a numbered edition i want one Me too. but you know what they won't be doing any special favors not anymore because i've been holding off on buying a, a pro until there were a few games that I really wanted to play on it and yep. there are a few now yep that's the so. same for me yeah, so I got to get one now, and I got to get. And here's the thing: I got to get 4K telly as well. You just the other thing I want to play on it is No Man's Sky. I want to see what that's like on a 4K telly and PS4 Pro. Um, yeah, I've been playing that uh, a fair bit, but uh, yeah, Spider Man 4K, bring it. I really, yeah, I really want one of these, but I'm gonna keep my order. I'm gonna keep my Spider Man yeah. order, because this looks like a whole big deal to try and get one of these. They're gonna go pretty quick, I think. Cause there's fifty thousand of them. I think people are gonna get them and put them in yeah. a box and keep them forever. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see on that one. I think we'll see. But it looks pretty interesting. I mean, you know, if you get one, and like they said, they've got some special. There's extra special serial numbers as well, which mm. so they call a few of them out, like 09995, uh, which is the US launch date of the PlayStation. Like they call <laughs> these out, and like, how is Sony not keeping those for themselves, though? That's what I don't understand. Surely some executive wants those ones, you know, the really fancy ones with the great dates on them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many of the executives, apart from Shu, uh, plays their PlayStation every day. Uh, they they just wouldn't have the time. They're too busy running a decent business. Whereas for for someone like Shu, obviously his whole business is to make sure that the games that he's got from first party and second party are the absolute best that he can get. And to do that properly, he needs to compare against all the others. And he is so scarily informed. And he's not egotistical, so I don't think he'll be interested in a particularly. You know, he'd he'd rather a customer got it than he got one. Yeah. Because that's just the kind of guy he is. So talking about PlayStation hardware, someone pretty important to PlayStation has departed for Google. Um, Richard Marks. Richard Marks was responsible for the PlayStation VR hardware. He was apparently the guy in charge of designing that. Uh, Marks has been 
at Sony since '99, and his other in credit, his other credits, his other hardware credits include uh, the PlayStation Move and the iToy camera, which is kind of funny to me. Like you see the guy's progression, right? Which got him to the PSVR. Um, so there have been a ton of rumors recently about the fact that Google is working on a games console of some kind, codenamed Yeti, and this project is expected to be some kind of game streaming box, as is the. The, the typical thing these days, right, as you two were talking about in the last episode about the um, Xbox streaming stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to be the thing now, right? Create a box that can stream games. But uh, Marx has, has joined over, and, and that seems like, I don't know, I guess that seems like a pretty big blow to Sony or to PlayStation to lose someone of his caliber would be my expectation. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I left... Um, December 2015, and PSVR was still, I, I guess, extremely current um, for for Doctor Marx. He's actually a doctor, believe it or not. Um, I didn't know this until uh, my my last few months there. And he, you know, I, I dealt with him over email a few times. He's incredibly sharp, incredibly uh, capable. And the stuff that he designed at the time was all really leading edge stuff. And the the restriction he faced, if you think about it, of course he's got a team, but the restriction he faced that other people didn't face so much, particularly in VR, is that he had to come up with something that was going to work at a consumer price point with consumer comfort and usability, the best that could possibly be done. So that that, I guess, is his superpower. And for that reason, that is a really big hire for Google. It's a really big hire, and that shows how serious they are. Because I would have thought that someone like, um, I'll call him Richard now, would have wanted to do the next VR iteration. But it's quite possible there are enough people there who can step into his shoes. I didn't didn't really get to grips with the nature of his team underneath him because i always dealt with him directly mm-hmm. when i needed to which wasn't very often admittedly but i needed to get information about all of the various uh devices that that he'd worked on um and and it just seemed to me that he was going to hang around forever i never saw him leaving sony i just thought he's too too integral but because i don't really have insight into the whole of the team it's quite possible that they've got it covered it's more important i think that as as you say, Google hiring him is a statement of intent, because clearly they're, they're This is the thing that they've always struggled with Google, and that's making sure that something is really consumer facing, uh, as opposed to a tech solution that's perhaps um, ahead of its time. Because if you think about Google Glass, right? I mean, if they brought that out today, I reckon people wouldn't have such a big issue with it. But I think it was too much too soon. Yeah, they were too ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah. They were. They were. And the other thing is they I don't think that what they provided gave a comparable benefit to offset the the weird creepiness mm-hmm. that people perceived. Mm-hmm. And if they'd done that, I think it would have been a lot different. And I think the hiring of someone like Marx is a, a clear statement of recognition from Google that this is the kind of person that they need to help them with this. I guess, new generation of, of hardware. It kind of feels like, the, you know, these are the lessons that a company like Google has learned over time that you, you, you a lot of the time get just one shot, 
right? And they maybe learned this with the with the um, with the Google Glass. You get like one one chance to make a first impression, right? And if they wanna, if they really wanna like go ahead and make a pretty cool games console, then they're gonna have to try and make sure that hardware is as good as it can possibly be. So you hire someone who's been making excellent hardware and a high quality for 11 years or 10 years or whatever you know like yes of course don't get your existing hardware teams that make phones and tablets to design this go for someone who knows how to make this type of stuff yes that's a really really good point actually because if you think about google as an organization they have some of the smartest engineers in the face of the planet and they're always tackling new stuff you know they've got stuff like that um x team um uh, run by astro teller do you know that one where they're doing stuff that massively changes the world in some way the stuff that's uh stuff like for example um glucose sensors for diabetics stuff like yes. uh, a global internet and balloons you know all of that stuff they're thinking up the craziest ideas imagine never been done before the thing about things that have never been done before is you just don't know if they'll have the impact they're supposed to that's the first thing and the second thing of course is that you don't know how consumers will react to them, you know, average, average um, customers, because those customers don't exist yet. They have to create a new customer base. But someone like Marx, it's not that he designs good hardware, it's that he designs it with the constraints that are required in a retail space, but also the design constraints imposed by the average market for PlayStation. He understood that space so well. He knew what people would be able to put up with and tolerate and what they wouldn't and was able to create hardware at an affordable price. That's really, really tough. I and mean, that's the thing. You remember Steve Jobs, I think, and Johnny Ive uh, talked about this a lot. Is It's all very well designing something absolutely spectacular, but it's all the compromises that you've got to make, the thousands of little compromises in order to turn it into something that still appeals to the customer after those compromises have been made. That's engineering meeting design. That's what Marx gives Google. Man, what the, I don't know what a Google games console could look like. I really don't know. Like, where are the games going to come from? Right? Like, what type of games are we talking about? Like, are we talking about beefed up Android games? Or are we talking about PC games streaming in the cloud somewhere? Is it going to be a subscription service? Will we pay for stuff? Like I'm, I'm. This is a an interesting idea, and I wonder who's going to get it right first. Because it seems like both Microsoft and Google are trying this. Let alone maybe everyone else, and we just don't know it yet. My guess is they brought Phil Harrison in for a reason, and that reason isn't to appeal to Android devs, but to schmooze with the top AAA players mm-hmm. and to convince them that this is something that will make economic sense for them. What I hear is that the box that sits in the cloud is pretty powerful. So kind of like a not absolute top flight PC, but pretty damn good PC. And so I would be surprised if they weren't going after that AAA space to begin with. I think the other stuff might eventually come, but they because it's mass market, it needs mass appeal, and mass appeal comes from AAA. It's a, th- it's a language that 
that most people who know anything about games understand. They, mm -hmm. they understand global phenomena like Red Dead 2. They understand GTA. They understand FIFA. And so I'd be surprised if those meetings hadn't already happened a long time ago and it was just a long series of negotiation. And, you know, that it's, it's interesting, really, because Phil was much more first party. But in the really early days, he was all partners. And so from his perspective, it's kind of like returning to his roots. So yeah. well, that, that's where I think they'll focus to begin with. I don't think they'll be like little Android games. I really don't. I think to start off with big AAA. But, you know, you know my position on this. I don't think this is going to be a great experience um, for quite a broad category of games. It's going to be useless for shooters. There's no way they can fix that. You know, it's, it's really, really hard to fix. Um, then maybe there are some tricks they could they could uh, they could use, like reducing the the path from the controller to the cloud servers instead of it going through a device. Perhaps um, maybe doing all kinds of tricks on the network side. Um, maybe making big because they've got the biggest uh, biggest reach. I would imagine. I can't imagine anyone else having more of a reach in terms of servers distributed around the world than them. You know, if you if you need to do a Google search using the servers all the time. So it'd be amazing if their service, certainly in terms of ping, was worse than a previous service. I, I don't see that happening. It'll be better. My concern is, will it be good enough? Now, if you think about the games that they're going to want to try and get, maybe it is, because let's face it, you're playing GTA. You don't need, like, pixel-perfect jumping and pixel-perfect driving it's not played in that style it's a bit more laid back in the sense that you don't expect the controls to be totally snappy you expect them to be kind of reasonably responsive but not totally snappy something like fifa might be problematic um so it's i i just see it as really challenging you know uh especially if you try and get this to work in in countries where the infrastructure for for broadband isn't well established or or just isn't there you know i have a maybe somewhat ethical question for you google are known for artificial intelligence and machine learning what if they solve some of the latency problems by attempting to guess what you're going to do that would make complete sense um and there are uh, there are certain category of games for which that would work better than others. But the interesting thing is people are already doing that, and they're not using machine learning. But of course AI does things like interpolate and best guess. And, you know, t take, a, uh, take a, a quick, I guess, a heuristic. And some of them are more, more interesting and more complex than others, which is why sometimes you'll see a bit of jumping, because that's where the, the guess has not been as as good as the actual position. So to some extent, I mean, to a much lesser extent than I think what you're suggesting, it's already been done. Um, it'll, it'll be very, very interesting. I, th I think with machine learning, it's totally possible, totally doable. Right, but you understand why I say it's like a possibly ethical thing, right? Because you're the first person, like a, a multiplayer shooting game like Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Are you really beating everyone if the machine's trying to guess what you're going to do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, how does it yeah. work in those instances? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know what? It's not going to make you better. 
It's just going to guess you better. Right. So machine machine learning will learn to anticipate what you typically do, and then from from it. frame to frame exactly. And then, given its understanding of of a scenario, and my understanding of, of machine learning is that you don't take too many variables because that will confuse it. You take a few variables and you work with those. So perhaps the the map. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a machine learning expert, but perhaps the map, perhaps the the controller data. And perhaps um, some other variable, you know, because what you don't want to do is um, overanalyze the data. You want to get just the right amount. This is my understanding of it based on uh, a layman's reading of machine learning. And then my guess is that they will smooth the path to your default pattern. The thing is, as you get better, you're going to deviate. So the database that the the back end builds up is not going to be accurate so all you've done is you've moved the lag from the immediate to a point further on the line where you started to improve so for me that would be the challenge the challenge would be as your um as your human mechanics improve as your brain to hand to eye <laughs> interface starts to improve the machine learning that has been compensating for you is now not quite good enough because to begin with you'll have been a little bit erratic right mm -hmm. then you get progressively better and every time you do you're kind of invalidating the database that's being built up so it will stabilize once you get to a certain level is it ethical i don't know it's re really it depends these people are way smarter than me so it it i i think it could get to a point where you would feel uncomfortable as a player with a machine learning's interpretation. I don't think it'll just magically impose a better path. But there's no reason why they, why they couldn't do that. Like, for example, what if you had an easy mode, right? Let's say you have an easy mode, and let's say you're, you're playing Fortnite. And in the easy mode, you can only play against other people who are playing in easy mode. And in that mode, the existing database will... No matter what your input, okay, even if you put in really shoddy input, it will create, I guess, a series of moves and a series of um, extrapolated controller inputs to to the mechanics of the game that make you look way better than you are. And to some some degree, local games will do that, but without machine learning in an easy mode. So you know stuff like if you you might not necessarily look amazing. Take something like. Um, Super Mario Kart 8. You're bouncing off the walls, but it's not too bad. You know, it's kind of all... It's accelerating for you. Sometimes there's a mode, I think, where you can even get it to steer for you. But you don't look great. No. What machine learning would offer is a really average or below average player. It would be possible to make them look great. And they wouldn't even know because it, the sad thing is they wouldn't necessarily get the opportunity to improve. Because then suddenly you go into like medium mode and medium mode. Oh, my God, I'm really rubbish at this, you know. Mm -hmm. And would that be appealing? I don't know. Hardcore players, I think, would just have it, have, have all of that stuff off. So who knows? Ethical? I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be unethical, but I'd love to see it work. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is a service that has an app which can help take a tiresome task 
and make it easy for you. And this is all about renewing your contact lens prescription. With Simple Contacts, you'll be able to reorder your contact lenses from anywhere in just minutes. All you have to do is complete their online self-guided vision test. Just take a few minutes, less than five minutes for you to complete this. You can do it from wherever you are right now, and there will be no more doctor's offices or waiting rooms that you'll need to go to whenever you need to refill your prescription. Contact lenses are amazing for a bunch for so many like little occasions, little needs you might have in your life, which makes them always great to have around, even if you don't wear them every day. What about like beach days and vacations, outdoor activities, maybe even weddings? So why not use Simple Contacts to stock up for this season? You can order your favorite contacts right from their website or app, and they have all the lens brands that you're used to, the ones that you love, with all of the options that you need, astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and many more. You'll be able to order exactly what you want right from the palm of your hand whenever you need. The vision test costs just $20. And for comparison, if you did a, uh, an appointment without insurance, you went out a test done, that could cost you $200. Simple Contact saves you money and time. But it's worth letting you know that this is not a replacement for your full eye health exam that you need to take periodically. Simple Contacts will just check that your current prescription helps you see 2020 based upon the information that you give them. And then when uh, you renew your lenses, it will be based on that prescription. That's what they're doing. They're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. As a listener of this show, you can get $20 off your first order of contacts. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash remaster, or you can enter remaster at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash remaster, or just use the code remaster for $20 off your first order. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so we have an interesting story here that is kind of cut into two major parts. So first off was the news that came uh, about a week ago, kind of kind of beginning of last week, that Fortnite is going to be finally making its debut on Android but not through the Google Play Store. So Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney told GamesIndustry.biz, and I think basically anybody else that would listen on that day, uh, that this is to build a direct relationship with their customers, saying that the 30% store tax is a high cost in a world where games developers, uh, the games developers 70%, has to cover all the costs of developing, operating, and supporting their games. My question is, is this true, Shahid? Is is 30% a high price to pay compared to other forms of games distribution? I think it depends on the store and the value that the store is offering. I had a few interesting discussions, um, some a little bit heated, uh, not, not nasty by internet standards, certainly not anywhere near that, but somewhat heated and I was somewhat irritated by people referring to this as a tax. I understand why Sweeney refers to it as a tax. Sweeney's one of the good guys, by the way, so I'm not picking a fight with him. He really is. He's done a lot for the industry and he he truly is a legend. He deserves that appellation. But he's also very good at PR. And just talking about this 30% store tax, I think it's a little rich. I remember the days when it cost half a million US dollars to license Unreal Engine. Hmm. Half a million US. So, you know, yes, they've improved their rate. Until recently, 
you had to give quite a big cut of your um, of your game on the back end to Epic if you used the Unreal Engine. The game engine tax, we could call it, maybe. Right. If we were being unfair, mm-hmm. I think it's an excellent, excellent piece of middleware and engine wizardry. So I, w- I would say to those people who didn't want to pay that back-end um, fee is, okay, well, tell you what, why don't you build Unreal yourself, then build your game on top of that and see if that works out better for you. So I, I don't have an issue with that. And I would make the same counter-argument about the platform fee, as it's called by several people. And given the investment that has gone in to build an infrastructure that can support delivery of your app or game to millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and perhaps even billions of customers. How much does it cost to build that infrastructure? Would you like to pay for the server cost if you have a hit? Well, of course, someone like Sweeney is not going to want to pay 30% if he can get away with paying zero. How does he How does he look good doing that by turning it into a, oh, it's a small guys against the big. Hold on a minute, mate. You've got Unreal. You've got Fortnite. And the biggest video whole... game in the world. <laughs> you know, you're right for cash. You're not a small developer anymore. You're one of the biggest, most successful video game entities in the history of the planet. So, you know he's doing it for PR reasons. Because remember, I opened the whole answer by saying Sweeney's one of the good guys. So I'm just saying, take it with a pinch of salt. He's What he's claiming is that 30% is, I guess, implying that 30% is high. It's not high. Trust me, I've been around a long time in the business, almost as long as Sweeney. And I remember the days when you were scraping pennies um, off the retail price of something that cost five quid. I think I got on one of my games, um, retail price was four quid and I was getting 12p per copy of that sold. Right. So when I see that a platform is offering me a market 1000 times bigger than the market I had access to in terms of the number of total customers, uh, you know, like like PlayStation like Steam, but particularly Apple. Apple's even bigger. Apple's the one where I'm out a couple of orders of magnitude. Uh, and, and I guess even Google Play is available on way more than, than Steam and, um, and PlayStation Store and so on. So how much does it cost to build an infrastructure that can reach all those customers? It costs an awful lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So then there are the ongoing costs of delivering that service. Then there's the platform tools that you get. So, for example, if you're on uh, on Android, you have to use their APIs. Do you want to develop an API that allows you to target every type of handset that Android runs on? Would you like to write that API? You probably wouldn't, right? Because <laughs> the fragmentation in Android is obscene. So that's what you get as well. You get a nice streamlined procedure for submitting your stuff do you want to be the person who wrote the database ingest stuff do you want to be the person who has to do the store population to make sure everything um, is legal and correct you know compliance and all of that you want to make sure that your software is okay in every single country you're reaching no you don't how much are you willing to pay for that 
maybe you're willing to pay 20%. Maybe you think 20% is fair. But maybe you think 20% is fair because you're looking at the amount of revenue something like Fortnite is going to generate. And you're thinking that now 20% means you end up way, 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 way better off. Because apparently they've made a billion dollars from the game right. so far. Yeah, I mean, no surprise. But for a small developer, is it going to make a world of difference? No. Somebody tried to argue with me the other day. Just uh, It was reductio ad absurdum, you know, taking an argument. You know what it means, right? So taking an argument to a ridiculous extent, mm-hmm. saying, oh, yeah, but if you're an independent developer, maybe it would make a difference if you were earning, say, forty or $50,000 a year. Seriously? What a contrived case, you know. You're either going to sell nothing, or you're going to do all right, or you're going to do absolutely fantastically, ridiculously Fortnite well. Mm-hmm. But if you're an independent developer, that that ten percent difference is not going to be is not going to be much to you. And the other thing you've got to bear in mind, of course, is that if the platforms start to compete with each other on that, and someone goes low, and someone says, "You know what? We're going twenty percent." What do you think that's going to do to the service? Where are they going to cut costs from? Because there's not that much profit in 30%. There really isn't. And, and trust me, I know. <laughs> you know, I had to do, I had to do the, the maths on this stuff to make business cases. There is some profit, of course. What, you want a business to run as a charity? You know, it's not going to do that. 30%, I think, is a decent price. It probably will come down at some point, but only at a point where bandwidth becomes a lot cheaper and you don't have to employ anyone. And that's not going to happen in a rush. So that, I, mean, I, I know I sound irritated, Mike, but it's kind of like, seriously, in the old days, it was just ridiculous. We, we've got it so good at the moment. And somebody else saying, oh, they should, promote, they should promote stuff better. No, they shouldn't. It's not their job to be your, uh, your marketing team. The platform's job is not to be your marketing team. It's to, it's to put it in the storefront. And, you know, when you have a great product, you have more clout in where they place it. If you're producing one of the best games, of course you can have a chat with their store team and say, you know what, we'd like better placement. Otherwise, you know, whatever. I'm going to make it better on another platform is how you would do it. That's that's going to be the kind of conversation you can have. And here's the other thing as well. If you're huge, you can negotiate that figure. You think platforms don't negotiate these figures? Got to be careful what I say here. But if you're a huge partner and you're going to make ridiculous volume, of course you're going to negotiate that figure. So disingenuous from Tim. Sweeney goes on to say, there's a rationale for this on console where the enormous investment in hardware often sold below cost and marketing campaigns in broad partnerships with publishers. But on open platforms, 30% is disproportionate to the cost of of the services these stores perform, such as payment processing, download bandwidth, and customer service. So here's my problem with this. You know, he says open platforms, they stomach Apple's 30%. But they won't take Google's because they don't have to. Exactly. And this is what I don't like about this, Shahid. I, I don't like this. I, I think that this is... Because uh, mo- what Epic are going to do, um, they're going to have you sideload. You'll you download the game from their yep. website. You'll download and then you will sideload. 
Uh, so this is something you can do on Android. Uh, so what I don't like about this personally is it feels like a money grab for a company that makes billions of dollars, right? And I don't understand <laughs> why they're doing this. We're going to get to maybe some of the reason why in a minute, which I think, honestly, it's just made me feel worse about this whole thing. Mm. Like, they, it, it just feels so weird to me that they're making this big song and dance about Google's 30%, it's too high, we don't get enough. But they, they reference open platforms and they very happily take Apple's, uh, they very happily pay Apple's 30%, presuming it is 30%, we don't know. But I cannot imagine that Google wouldn't give them the same deal Apple got, like Apple gave them if they did get a deal, right? Like if, if, if Epic paid 20% to Apple, which you never know, or maybe 15%, and they went to Google, Google's going to give them the same amount, especially because Google has way more to lose. Because if Apple saying no, then you'll never get it, right? That's how it is. That's just how it's going to be. And maybe that's something to lose. I don't know. Maybe there's some competitive advantage to Google, but who knows? But on Android, you can sideload, right? You can download games from other places. And millions of people are going to learn exactly how to do this. This is something I saw Dieter Bone from The Verge say. Uh, he said, It is totally reasonable to expect that Fortnite could be the biggest game on Android. The biggest game on Android won't be in Google's store. How embarrassing for Google is that? And millions of kids will get familiar with sideloading apps without the need for the Play Store. And I think this is a big risk for Google. Um, I will note that Epic is putting their own money where their mouths are. Um, they have the Unreal Engine Marketplace, which you can buy games from, and they had a 30% cut on this, but they dropped it to 12% because Fortnite is making them so much money. The Unreal Engine Marketplace, that's where people sell assets for Unreal Engine use by other developers, right? Okay, thank you for that clarification. But yeah, they were taking a cut from that, and they've, they've cut right. their cut. By, by of course, but they've, they've done that just not to be accused of hypocrisy. There's Probably. no revenue there. Yeah. That's you know, anyone who's, serious, anyone who's serious makes their own assets. Um, you know, we, in the, the team I'm, uh, I've got together, we, at first we look at these assets and they look okay. But in the end, if you really want to do professional development, a lot of this stuff you've got to do yourself. And that's what a lot of Unreal people, Unreal developers will, will do as well. But you know what? This, this thing about sideloading, um, how many people are going to do it persistently? They're going to do it as a one-off. People who don't play games, might because they've heard about their favorite football teams, um, best footballers playing Fortnite because they... They do the, you know, the moves on TV as celebrations. Those people are only ever going to do this once, and they're going to forget how they did it the first time. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not going to care about that. The other thing is, I don't think Google do care, because Google's Google's world is not games at the moment. Oh, Google isn't. care, man. They want that money. No, no, I, I don't think they care. Their 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 business is search. Their business is advertising. They just want they, they want these devices out there. As long as they get Fortnite on Android and they're going to get that, people are going to be using their phones more, right? So think about it this way, right? You're Google and you want people to use your, um, your services, want to see the adverts so that you get more advertising revenue. Now a kid wants to buy the cheapest Android phone that will run Fortnite. Now they don't get much from that do they uh, i have no idea i don't think they 
they charge anything for the OS. It's open source, right? So what it does do is that's one more customer with what they thought was a Fortnite, the cheapest Fortnite capable device happens to be a Google capable smartphone with all of the Google stuff built in. So they've just got another customer for, for viewing all of their ads. That's the main thing. The other thing is I think that this is a distraction. Um, and the really interesting thing will be if, if actually this is going to resolve because Sweeney and Harrison are already having a conversation about bringing Fortnite to Yeti. And it will come out and the press says, oh, you know, um, Google and Epic make up and this is how we're addressing it. We're going to do it like this. And it's going to be great. Plus, look at this. Um, uh, Mike was right. Machine learning AI that makes you a great Fortnite player. You know, so it might be a prelude to that. I don't know. That's just me being the conspiracy theorist, right? But I don't think Google math, Google care that much. They'll care a lot more if it affects Yeti. I mean, right now, it doesn't affect their core business so much. I don't think they're really embarrassed. I mean, that Google Play Store isn't really making people a lot of money anyway. It certainly isn't making Google a lot of money. Not compared to the App Store, certainly. Uh, the real money is in the free-to-play stuff. And, you know, uh, that that's pretty similar across the board for both Apple and Google. I don't think they'll see themselves as a big loser. It's funny, isn't it, though? I mean, you see, this is the second situation uh, where Sweeney and Fortnite has been involved in a kind of platform battle. He does this, Sweeney, from time to time, because recently it was PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. Can't cross-play, cross blah, blah, blah. In the past, he, done, he, he said something about um, Microsoft potentially making it really hard for people not to sell stuff um, outside their own app store, because, of course, Microsoft withdrew from that position, which was a sensible thing to do. And at that point, you had Valve kind of hedging their bets. And we talked about this on Remaster, that... Perhaps SteamOS was a hedge against the possibility that Microsoft might one day make it compulsory for you to sell all products through their own app store. So I I, I think this is all um, PR. It draws more attention to them. It sells more copies of the thing on on Google phones. It it gets Google more customers because let's face it, the cheapest Fortnite device is now not going to be an iPhone. It's going to be a Google device. And and they're fine with that because it means more customers who are able to use um you search and see AdWords and 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 everyone's happy. So I understand your point of view, but I do disagree with you. Like I, I think that this is bad for Google and I think it is embarrassing for them. And I think today's news about Samsung makes it worse. Like this is this is the scenario they don't want. So Samsung today announced the Galaxy Note 9. And with it, Fortnite on Android launching exclusively. Now, it's available via Samsung's game launcher or via Epic's installer on a wide range of Samsung devices, not just the new Note 9. So it's available on lots of Android, uh, lots of Samsung Android devices. Now, this is just a short, limited window, maybe just a few days, right? But I think what's happened here is my personal belief on what has occurred is Samsung approached Epic with a huge check and said to them, we want to pre-install on new devices 
we want to have you available from our game launcher. You can't be in the Play Store, but you can sideload. How much money does that cost? Because I think what Samsung is attempting to do is to try and make the belief that if you don't own an iPhone and you want to play Fortnite, you buy a Samsung device. And Google's, in some instances, Google's biggest competitor is actually Samsung. Samsung is their risk, right? Because it's where all the money is in Android. And Samsung at any moment can make deals like this one and completely upend Google's business in some way. Uh, apparently as well, if you pre-order the Note 9, you get some Fortnite exclusive items. But like this is the kind of thing that I, I look at this whole story and you see, I, I personally believe like the scales fall from my eyes, right? That I don't think it was just a 30% tax. No, of course not. Right? There is a business decision that, that Epic made to get in bed with Samsung, which was better for them for whatever reason, because they believe, and I'm sure that they're right, like people know, like people will find out if people want Fortnite and Android, they'll just Google Fortnite and Android and follow the links that it will take to get them to install it from Epic's website. Mm. But at the same time, Samsung have made a genius move in trying to occupy some of the get, some of the brain space of if you don't have an iPhone and you want to play the biggest video game in the world, maybe you need to get a Samsung device. I think this is a genius move from Samsung, but I I believe this is not the type of thing Google wants to be happening. Google wants this to be available and be perceived as being available everywhere and be able to put it in the Play Store because Apple get to do it. Apple get to put it in the App Store. And I think Google will want... Don't Again, like I, maybe this isn't such a big problem for them as it would be if it was not on iOS, but I don't. I think Google would prefer to be able to say it's in the Play Store, and we'll take a cut of all those free-to-play transactions that are going to occur, without being in a situation where now Samsung have it. You know what? What you're make what you're saying makes complete sense. Uh, I I think there's a lot more to this story. And I'm really looking forward to finding out what more there is to it. Yes. I think the only uh, only thing I would add is that, um, and it's no way contradicts anything you've just said, is that for Google, Google Play is not really a huge revenue earner. For Google, they have plenty of business elsewhere mm-hmm. that makes way, way more. For Apple, actually... Their main business is hardware and what sells their hardware. See, Google don't have that situation. What sells hardware is excellent integrated software and third-party software. And so for them, it's really important to have great software on their devices. Right, but I think that that like there is like an equal importance, but in but in different outcomes. Like Google need people to use their devices so they can track people in advertising and whatever it is they want to do. People only use devices if they have the apps that they want. It's why Windows Phone died. Right. But but that's just it. I mean, it's, you've got a Samsung. You're, you know, you are running Google, right? You're running Android. All right, it's Samsung's version of Android, but it is still Android. And it's still a device on which you're going to be seeing Google's ads. And, and that's where Google are making the money. You're right, though. I mean, look, I, I guess I'm, 
I, I'm trying to make a make a case for Google not being as upset about it as people might think. Here's the other thing that could happen is that both scenarios could be true. It could be that they had a discussion with, with Google or with the play team. Perhaps the play team, this is a conjecture, of course, perhaps the play team were unhappy, but then what perhaps uh, so, so many so many bits of conjecture here but but perhaps he had the conversation with them and said look guys tell you what this is going to be sideloaded on samsung but what i'll do is i'll make sure Fortnite runs on yeti day one who knows i want to find out more it's going to play out really interestingly but you know it's definitely a pr statement uh, this I... thing is I also am not sure if I would want to take a bet on a console that might not ever exist, right? Like, but anyway, but yeah, we're getting into the weeds now. But, but yeah, but it's it's int- it's a very interesting story, nevertheless. All right, let's take our second break, and we can talk about a game that we've both been unequivocally enjoying recently. Um, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace are the company that will let you build whatever type of website you want. They are the home for your next idea. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will give you all of the tools, all of the features, and all the support that you need. They have 24-7 customer support, so if you need anything from Squarespace, they're there to help you. And they have all of the features you're looking for in their all-in-one platform. You can create an online store, you can create a portfolio, you can create a blog, you can create a site for an event, a business, no matter what type of website you want to make, they have all the tools you need. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. You can even grab a domain name directly from Squarespace so you can give your website the brand it needs and talk about brand. Something that's really important is the way your website looks, the way its visual identity is. All Squarespace's template options are award-winning. They're beautifully designed to help you show off your great ideas and allow you to customize them in a simple to use interface squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can sign up for a trial with no credit card required just go to squarespace.com remaster to do so use the offer code remaster when you sign up for a plan and you will get 10 percent of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that's squarespace.com remaster and the code remaster to get 10 percent off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. Do you want to tell me about Hold Down? Oh, there it goes. He's, he's playing. <laughs> now I know Sorry. what you do during the ads. <laughs> now you know. I play Hold Down. In fact, my one of my recent loo breaks uh, was half an hour. I kid you not. Um, I'm... I'm sad to say I took my phone into the loo. Thanks for that information. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, and you know, the, the funny thing is it was a number one as well. And I just sat there and just played the game for half an hour in the loo. What's wrong with me? I'm 52. This game is the best iPhone game I've played in, I don't know. I don't know. When, when was the last time I played? Come on, help me out here. It must have been Crossy Road, the last thing I played this much. But you know what? It's, it is absolute perfection. It's the perfect size. It's the perfect smoothness. Has a perfect palette. Has perfect audio. The best audio I've heard in an iOS game. Everything has audio. It's soft. You know that all of the audio is really soft. And um, there, there are no hard edges to the audio. If you look at the, uh, the bricks. And I haven't even talked about what the game is. I've just gone into one, right? But look, if you've got 
uh, is it on Android? I think it yes. is, isn't it? Yeah, just get it. Just just ignore me and just get it. This is, I, I could go on and on and on and on and on about the amazing design touches in this game. It is absolutely perfect. I'm just raving now because I'm like one of those people who spots one of their favorite, um, you know, musicians, whatever, and just is completely lost for words. That's how I feel about this game. But the design of this is, oh, my God. How would you describe it? It's it's kind of like a, a block-digging mining game, uh, a tactical block-digging mining game. It's got elements of uh, Breakout. It's got yep. elements of that... Uh, game from about eight years ago orbital on ios do you remember that i don't oh check out orbital it's still a beautiful game um it has got elements of multi-ball pinball yep uh, it's got that indie feel it's got and yet the uh the aesthetics are very much uh late generation ios app style as opposed to game style um what else has it got that's absolutely amazing? It has got the most beautifully balanced uh, upgrade system. And it, it's just, it just feels like a beautiful toy. There's, there is not a pixel out of place. It's not particularly um, amazing to look at. But to feel and to play, the controls are absolutely spot on. The frame rate is absolutely perfect. It does things that delight you constantly. Stuff yep. like, for example, when you've got multiples going, well, it will speed them up. So you run out of time eventually. So even if you are stuck in some kind of loop, it will speed up. I love the slowdown um, when you manage to eliminate a number of blocks. Mm -hmm. And the slowdown happens on the music as well. It's just beautifully weighted. Everything slows down. The, the way the blocks move up, the music everything um the, i lo love the little star-like flashes uh on on impact the the red ones and then you've got the really beautiful starburst white um explosion a series of lines when you finally eliminate a block uh all of this stuff is just spectacular the explosions when you've got multiple stuff going on uh it's not too long so i've got to um plan it and I got to the bottom, but I wasn't able to take it out, run out shots. Then the last thing is the sun. Um, so I haven't finished it yet. So I'm still still playing it a fair bit. I only have one criticism and I might be wrong about this criticism. And I'm not going to end on the criticism, but I'll just mention it. I've been playing it on the iPad and the iPhone, which is how much I love it. Right. Um, but even though there's something in the settings about cloud save. Doesn't work doesn't work yep. across devices you found that as well yeah I, I, um, I was trying to see if I could get uh, iCloud syncing to, to occur between the game e again even though it has it has an option for it but I don't think it works yeah I reckon that's just some kind of game save thing in the cloud who knows um, and the other thing is you know that weird little finger uh, finger like character the in the bottom mascot. right that's, yeah yeah I like tapping on him or her it says weird stuff i know it's like socialist yeah. stuff it's really funny it's very so I, strange i just tapped it just now seize the means of production basically you've got this character at the bottom of this game which is about mining um telling you uh to start <laughs> a workers revolution <laughs> which is really oddball you know it's very but, peculiar um, yeah but beautifully weighted uh beautifully balanced uh the progression curve is absolutely perfect the audio is perfect. 
the timings are perfect. Uh, the collision detection is beyond perfect. And when I say beyond perfect, what I mean is you hit stuff and it vibrates. Depending on the angle at which you hit the curved edge of a block, you get different outcomes. But here's the other thing that's really key. In some physics simulations, because I don't think this is a physics simulation, this is his own take. Um, what happens is if you get a ball stuck somewhere, that's it, it's going to bounce around there forever. But he's got a system that forces it through if holes are available, which feels so satisfying. It's like you, you're almost willing it to do something that is probably physically impossible. And it does it. And then it just puts such a massive smile on mm -hmm. your face. And I love the little uh, scroll bar on the left. You know, that shows you how far down you've got in the yep. mine. It's a little thing, but, you know, uh, it's just millions of touches. And the way the screen just goes completely mental when you completely clear it of um, of all the blocks. It sounds like a really, really simple game, but there are quite a few interesting tactics you can use. Like, for example, when you, when you hit certain blocks, um, if you eliminate them, all the blocks above will disintegrate. And so you can take advantage of that to get rid of blocks that have got extremely high hit counts on them. Uh, to be clear, every single block has uh, a hit count, and that's how many times a ball has to strike it in order for you to eliminate it. But some of them like got 160 plus. And so the, the cleanest way of doing that is to destroy the block below. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's got all those elements. It's got breakout, it's got orbital, it's got um, super pinball, and the the best audio I've heard in a, an iOS game for some time. I've played this more than any other game this year, which should tell you everything you need to know about it. It's perfection. It's the, one of the best mobile games ever made. So uh, Hold Down, I believe, has a spot in my iOS game Hall of Fame, um, which includes threes, flip flop, solitaire, pocket run, pool, stage hand, both Altos games, Domino Drop, and Monument Valley. Like I, I consider those to be the best, mostly modern iOS games ever made. You know, there, there's other games like a game like Tiny Wings is incredible. You know, but uh, they're kind of the games that I keep on my phone. I consider them to be old timers. This, this game will make its way into that games folder that i keep uh um, on my on my iphone it's typically what i'll do is i'll download a game i'll keep it on my second screen and then when i've finished it or when i've got bored of it i'll delete it but every now and then maybe once every year or two um a new game finds its way into my games folder which i consider to be like hall of fame worthy um and it, i think that hold down is that um it is way more simple than a lot of those games but it is the perfection and simplicity that makes it so great. Like it does the thing that it does, but does it so well. You know, it is like a uh, horizontal downward moving version of Breakout. Like that's how this game works. You know, you are there, you are hitting you are you're firing balls at bricks to try and break them. Like it's it is as simple as that. But it is the way in which everything is done that makes it so special. Uh, I completed. Uh, or at least got to the uh, what I think is an endless level um, uh, at the end of the game uh, on a flight home uh, from our honeymoon, so many hours to spare. So basically beat the entire game then. Um, I really love this game. I would love to see more levels uh, rather than the endless level because the endless level doesn't really have the same challenge 
feeling to it, right? Because there yeah. is an, an end goal to get. Um, and I would love to see those. I would pay for them very happily. Uh, I'm not making a criticism that the game is too short. That stuff tends not to bother me. I'm just saying I love it so much I want more of it. It's the same way see, I felt about Monument Valley. That That is such a brilliant way of putting it, Mike. I was thinking about the criticism some people were making about it being too short. But there's such a such an important difference between you saying it's too short and saying, you know what, I love this so much I pay for more. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people do mean what I mean, but it's hard yeah, to yeah. express that. You know, express, just like, isn't it? yeah. It's too short is can be a term of endearment as opposed yeah, to yeah. a criticism. You know, it's like, oh man, this I wanted more. I love it so much. Like I wished it wasn't uh, only a five-hour game or whatever, you know, however long it takes you to complete a game. Uh, I would love more of it. I want more of it, you know. And I think it is too uh, easy for everybody to assume that it is that it is a criticism as opposed to a, uh, a desire for more from the game. I agree with you that the, uh, the upgrade mechanism is very clever and you get to choose your own upgrade path and upgrade the things that you think are most important to you, which is, you know the ability to shoot more balls at once rather than one. You can go up to like 40 or something and uh, or the ability to have more because you collect um, extra balls as you go. So like your maximum cap of balls that you can fire can be increased. The amount of shots that you get per um, try of a level can be increased. And all of that stuff is collected via gems in the game. Uh, it is not a free-to-play game. It is a paid-up-front game. The gems... Um, are purely there for, to give you something to collect uh, and upgrade yourself, which also um, pushes for replayability of the game as well. Uh, in the sense of like, you if you you will never go all the way through this game in one go. You will have to replay levels because you won't have enough crystals or, or gems or whatever it is to be able to upgrade everything you need, but that is inherent in the design of the game that you, because the levels seem to be procedurally generated, um, that you're not replaying the same thing. It doesn't seem like the same thing every single time. So you kind of have to play some levels multiple times to be able to progress through the game. Uh, but that isn't done in a weird way. You know, it is done as, as, as a genuine part of the design. Uh, to to add challenge and length to the game as opposed to trying to squeeze every last dollar out of you. Yeah, it's wonderful, man. I absolutely love it. It's just, just a superb, superb video game that is executed perfectly. Um, and I love it when a game like this comes along. And uh, as, as is typical for me, um, th- I saw this game uh, recommended by Zach Gage, um, Zach has an incredible taste, which is why in my Hall of Fame, uh, three games that he has worked on <laughs> has found its way into that. Uh, so I always trust his taste. I saw him tweet about it. I will immediately purchase anything that he recommends because I tend to always love it. So Hold Down is incredible. If you haven't played it, you need to play it. Uh, it is available in your app store of choice. 